0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to an episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. It's been a while between uh, audio drinks, but I'm back for an episode because there is major sporting advantage on the horizon, the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup, just a week away Uh, here down under and in New Zealand as well. Now, I have a confession to make. I uh, Football or soccer, however you call it, uh, was my first sporting love, the first sport I ever fell in love with. But now it's relegated to watching Celtic FC semi-regularly and then just being a sporting freeloader and lumping up Uh, when any of the major international events like World Cups are on. So I'm not the person to help you understand the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup, but I know a man who is, and he's been very kind, kind enough to bless the podcast with his presence. His name is Kieran Yap. He is a contributor kick360 au impetus football and edge of the crowd it's one of the best follows on twitter if you like sport (laughs) if you like humor if you like movies if you like all sorts of things kieran thanks so much welcome to the pod great thanks for having me i'm really happy to be here awesome yeah well we're, we're very happy to have you on um i should say i'm very happy to have you on just the royal we here. Like, we're very happy, me and all my producers, <laughs> One production One is delighted staff, to you know? have you on. Yeah. yeah, that's right. One is delighted. One is very delighted. Um, so, the World Cup, you know, on our doorstep, both in terms of the time uh, span until it's here and geographically on our doorstep. Before we get into that, I want to ask you, because as I said, it was my first love. Uh, as a sport, it's, it's unfortunately taken a, a, a back seat on the roster mostly these days. Um, I was an Arsenal fan, which stemmed from supporting England in the first World Cup I ever watched because their goalkeeper, David Seaman, had long hair like I had long hair at 12 years of age. How did you fall in love with football, with soccer? What do you prefer to call it? Do you have a strong lean on that, um, that debate about is it football, is it soccer? Uh, yeah, w- where did it all start for you?
1: So generally, I'm not I'm not a real zealot about whether it's football or soccer. I, je- I call yeah. Aussie rules footy and football, football on Twitter. Um, yeah. I reckon that pretty much defines it pretty obviously. They don't call it footy in Australia. They call it football in Australia. But yeah, if you say footy, people know what you mean. If you say football, people tend to know what you mean. No one really gets confused. Um, yeah. How did I fall in love with it? How I fall in love with sport would have been uh, the Cats... It, when i was about 12 10 uh that was yeah. late 90s we had the great gary Ablett. um had i actually went to school with his son so we always got the inside gossip and how the team was going and um that's how i got into it but how i got into football or soccer was um uh 94 world cup or 98 world cup somewhere in between there and there it was um roberto baggio who caught my attention mm-hmm. i just thought he was the, the i'd never seen anybody do what he did in any sort of sport before. He's just dominant. Didn't look like he was even trying that hard. He sort of just like just waltzed his way through defences and didn't seem bothered and didn't seem to care until he scored a goal and he went ballistic. I just thought this guy was the greatest ever. And then I bought a FIFA game. It would have been FIFA 98 and it was all over. I was just like hooked straight away. Um, yeah, hooked on, hooked on football. I loved David Beckham when I was a kid and I just became obsessed with his career. I still think he's an underrated player now, but the way I got into women's football was um I told this story quite a bit, but um, there was a magazine article in SBS magazine that said, uh, is this the best player in the world? It was an article about the US striker Mia Ham, and she was about to play the '99 Women's World Cup, which is the big historic one that broke all the records, and JLo lo saying, let's get loud. That's like the one that's the benchmark until this year. This year will be bigger. But uh the of article course. convinced me that she was the best player in the world, and that's the only way. There's no clips or YouTube, not even TV for it. So I could only be convinced by this article that this was the best player that walked the planet of the earth. So when the Sydney Olympics came around, I was only little, but I had to go see her play. And I don't even remember if she was good or not. She scored a few goals, I think, looking at Wikipedia. But I was just like, yeah, when you're a kid, you see a hero, you're blown away no matter what they do. So from that, I've just kind of dipped in and out of women's football over the years. And then when the Matildas started to become easier to watch in about 2000, between 2011, 2015, I got really into them again. Mm. And then from that, the W league and now I kind of, uh, everything for just football from the state league upwards to the national teams.
0: Yeah. And you, you seem to like get around and like cover a heap of matches. I'm, I'm, I'm always sort of blown away, you know, on, on Twitter and that sort of thing, the, the amount of coverage you do of the game. Um, it's awesome. And, uh, as I said, I always love sports people who have a mix of like a mix of perspectives, I guess, you know, it's, it can get a bit dry if people are just like, it's just the game and that's all there is. But I I love (laughs) you're always willing to, you know, you bring humor to it. You bring a different sort of an angle to it, um, mix in a bit of pop culture and it, it keeps everything, um, I know, vibrant. So as I said, people should go and follow you on Twitter because you're, you're you're one of the best on there um yeah, thanks
1: <laughs> as a player like it, so i've, I've been I'm mixing fast and furious soundtracks and clips with player highlights on instagram and <laughs> the kids because a lot of them are only like 17 18 some of these kids in the MPL. so one of them yeah like rocket fast so i put like the fast and furious theme behind her when she highlights and she was loving that so yeah it's good to have a bit of yeah. fun because that's that's what sport's for really isn't it
0: yeah absolutely football it's all about family.
1: <laughs> um
0: So that could be the tagline for the new World Cup. I've got it right there. Um FIFA 06. I'm, I'm thinking FIFA 2002 or FIFA 06 were my favorites. I um, yeah, 06 was I, I don't one. know. Uh, yeah, 06 you could still really – there was a lot of customization. I did like – I remember playing – it was either 2000 or 2002. You could still edit your own team's – And, you know, really create your own league structures and things. That was like, it was real kind of free for all great graphics were pretty basic, but, um, yeah, I definitely remember making the, uh, the Albury Wodonga football association, (laughs) uh, where I spent some time playing, um, uh, yeah, for the, uh the Benalla Rovers. We didn't win a hell of a lot of games, I'm here to tell you. Um, I reckon I could count uh, on all 10 of my fingers how many games we won in about five or six years of playing. Um, Let's let's get on to more optimistic uh, topics than my soccer career. Um, Let's talk about the FIFA Women's World Cup. Being hosted in Australia and New Zealand 2023, it's I mean, an incredible opportunity. I, I I would—that's how I sort of see it. Like a massive opportunity for, I suppose, Australia to showcase itself uh, as a major sporting uh, capital. Um, Mm. But I also kind of feel like—and you might have thoughts on this—it feels like a big opportunity for the sport in our country. Like, yeah, there would have been no bigger soccering footballing event on our shores before surely yeah probably the
1: biggest sporting event since the sydney olympics and some would say it's yeah. bigger like in terms of television audience and yeah. people watching a singular event so the world cup final should draw like i think the last world cup final drew almost uh, over a billion people so it's it's <laughs> it's massive like it is it is one of the biggest sporting yeah. events in the world the fifa events always huge but this the last mm. thing we had was the Asian Cup in 2015. This will make that seem like nothing because most stadiums will be packed. Um, the world's best players are coming out. There's very, few, I mean, there's a few big injuries, but by and large, the world's best players are coming out, and that's a, like that's a rare thing to have the best players in the world come to mm. your country and play in competitive matches. These aren't charity games. These aren't friendlies. These aren't exhibitions. These are everybody playing for their careers, for their legacy, um, to make history. It's going to be massive. Uh, over a million tickets have been sold. It's just, it's going to be huge before it's even started. Most of the Matilda's games yeah. are impossible to get into unless you win a prize in, in some sort of competition to do it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's so, I mean, I think back to me, as I said, playing and, you know, back in the early to, yeah, early mid 2000s and just how, I don't know how differently the game seems to be, to be viewed now. As mm. even just like back then, 15 or 20 years ago, like it it seems to have come on in leaps and bounds. I hope that's the case. And it it certainly seems to be. Um so as I said at the start, I'm a total freeloader here. I have not kept yeah. I, I haven't kept up with the teams. I, I don't know the narratives heading in, which is sort of a refreshing place to be for me with with sporting events. Um, but I imagine there's a lot of people that are the same. I imagine there's a lot yep. of people who men's or women's uh, international sporting events, they may not follow it all year round. And then every four years, they park themselves on the couch for a couple of weeks and, and consume it all. So format is familiar, right? 32 teams, we reduce to 16, we reduce to 8, we reduce to 4, we reduce to 2, we reduce to ones. Runs exactly Correct. the yeah. same. But this is the first all one there's right. going to be 32 teams in the, in the Women's World Cup.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is the biggest nice. one in, in every sense of the word. Biggest stadiums, biggest size of the tournament. Everything about this is bigger and better than it's ever been before.
0: That's that's awesome. That is, see, I'm getting goosebumps already. Here. Yeah. It's I'm, huge. I'm getting excited here. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is massive. So we've got familiar format for those who have watched previous iterations of, you know, men's or women's World Cup. It, it's sort of standardized now. We've got the groups. My, my dog's very excited too. don't know if you can hear him, but um, we've, got, we've got our groups. Group A has New Zealand, Norway, the Philippines, Switzerland. Group B, Australia, Republic of Ireland, Nigeria, and Canada. Uh, group C, Spain, Costa Rica, Zambia, Japan. Group D is England, Denmark, China, and Haiti. Group E is USA, Vietnam, Netherlands, Portugal. Group F, France, Jamaica, Brazil, and Panama. Group G, Sweden, South Africa, Italy, and Argentina. And finally, I feel like a host at Eurovision. uh, Group (laughs) H, which is Germany, Morocco, Colombia, and Korea Republic. I want to open by asking you the question here. What is the most entertaining group, in your opinion? Which of these four-team pods is the one that you go, there's just going to be fireworks works here?
1: Um, okay, that's an interesting question because Australia, Canada, Nigeria, Republic of Ireland on paper, the toughest group or the most unpredictable one. Any one of three teams can finish top in that group. But I, I think it'll be Australia one, one or two. I think we'll get through. Entertaining group, um, looking at them, It depends what you want. Do you want want really close contest games or do you want to see the best players doing freakish stuff or do you want to see lots of goals?
0: Well, when I tune in, all right, I'll go stylistically. I love when I get to see teams play attacking, flary sort of creative football. Like there's, you know, no one's sort of parking the bus so where where do i go which teams do i watch for that group
1: f i reckon if you
0: like as a package group f's got brazil
1: france jamaica panama i'm not 100% familiar with panama but the other three teams don't hold back um brazil play like you'd expect a Brazilian team to play they haven't won a world cup even though they've had the best player of, of all time in their team for a long time they've got marta who is um just a freak. Like she can. She's basically Ronaldinho uh, is the closest comparison, except much more effective and longer lasting player. Um, France yeah. are one of the favourites to win the tournament. Um, they've got a new coach who was the men's coach for Saudi Arabia in the men's World Cup, um, who masterminded the win over Argentina, but. They're a very mm-hmm. attacking team and uh, he's brought back a lot of players who are on the outer under the previous coach or refused to play under the previous coach. So they're looking very ominous. And Jamaica have, I think, the best centre forward in the world, not named Sam Kerr. So they're at a massive financial disadvantage, Jamaica. They've had to practically have a GoFundMe to get this tournament. Um but wow. but Bunny Shaw from Manchester City is genuinely one of the most eye-catching strikers on the planet. She's just so fast, so strong, dominant. Um, I can't really think of a men's equivalent of her. She's just a freak of a player. Mm -hmm. She's so entertaining to watch. So they'll score goals, Jamaica. They probably won't win any games, but they'll maybe put a couple past Brazil, a few past Panama, maybe test France. They've just got firepower. So if you want goals, you want action, you want teams that will try and outscore each other rather than try and park the bus, that's the group I think you're going to look at because even Panama will try and get something out of those games. They know they're not going to... What's the point in coming out, finishing last and not trying to score a goal? So they'll... Or well, the crack too. I think that if you want entertainment, group FC group.
0: Love it. Did you say Bunny Shaw?
1: Yeah, Khadija Bunny Shaw from Manchester City. So she finished on top of the uh, English scoring charts this season, but um, it's the way she plays more than the numbers. She's just unstoppable, yeah. basically. She's too big, too strong, too skilled, too too intelligent. She'll drop deep. Uh, carry the ball forward, get on the end of passes. That she started in the middle middle of the field. She's just a very, very good striker. Jamaica scored their first goal in World Cup history against Australia at the last World Cup, and she was the main reason for that. She took on about three or four of our players at the middle of the park and just drew heaps of defenders to her, then slipped a through ball through. Brilliant player, and I think I don't think there's a defence on the planet who can handle it, but they can handle the rest of Jamaica. So uh, yeah. I think I think it'll be worth watching.
0: That's, that's awesome. And I'm a sucker for a good name too. Bunny Shaw sounds like yeah. <laughs> needs like a series of like noir detective novels or something. Detective Bunny yeah. Shaw. Uh, <laughs> I like it. That's, that's, that's awesome. Um, So uh, just to throw an extra one in here, then what do you think will be the most competitive group? Like the one that, you know, you could, you really don't know who's going to come out of, uh, of those four teams, which one do you think will be the closest?
1: Mm, I think ours, and I hate to say it, yeah. but it's not the group of death. There isn't a group of death in this tournament. There's um the thirty two teams have made it a lot less unpredictable than it will be. You know, it will be in time much more competitive, much more even across the board, yeah. hopefully. But now there's a bit of a discrepancy between how some teams are funded and the opportunities some players have. A lot of countries that are in this World Cup don't have domestic leagues. So um while they have top end quality, it starts to weather away at the bottom end of the list. But Australia, Canada, Nigeria, Republic of Ireland is a very competitive group. If we don't win the first game, it's wide open. Um Nigeria can probably not qualify from that group, but they can definitely ruin someone else's tournament. And uh Canada are the Olympic gold medalists, so they're a very good side. Yeah. They're not what I call entertaining. Um they've got some all time great players, but they're a very disciplined, organized team as opposed to the groups, the teams I mentioned before. But yeah. it, that'll mean that they're difficult to beat in every game. They've, I think they've taken nine defenders to the World Cup. No, the Republic of Ireland's taken nine right. defenders, sorry. So they're another team that'll, that'll um, try and frustrate Australia. And it'll probably be a very boring game between them and Canada, uh, aesthetically, but tactically, it'll be really interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny, you know, sometimes people go, Oh, I find it hard to watch a, you know, nil all draw or, or whatever it might be a one nil, but I don't know. Some I watched, I watched more soccer this last, I don't know, last two years <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. with COVID and stuff than I had in a long time. I, I, I had to abandon Arsenal, which I feel horrible about. But, um, <laughs> I've had um, to
1: abandon Tottenham Oxford many times over the years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's my was, I don't know. Too many things. Just like the, I'm, I'm such an old fashioned Like I, I was gutted when they left Highbury. I kind of understood it economically. But then I don't know. Thierry Henry left and all that sort of thing and a number of things. But I ended up settling on Luton Town. Um, <laughs> because I wanted to watch the championship. And ironically, now I have to watch the Premier League because they went yeah. up. Um, but gosh, there were some thrilling games uh, in that and in their season and Celtics that were low scoring, um, which I really enjoyed. So I don't know. People, are, people just like to whinge, I think. Yeah, I saw um, you know, one-all so-
1: game the other week in the NPL. It was one-all between yeah. Berlin and South Melbourne. So they're the two best teams in Victoria.
0: It was one, all, yeah. but
1: it was a, one of the most entertaining games of the season because nobody made an error, and it was like the first no no passes were misplaced, no tackles were missed, nothing, yeah. no one did anything wrong the entire game. So the first team to make an error was going to lose, and it was just about who was going to blink first and who was going to succumb to the pressure first, and it just was like this fascinating battle all game. So even a low scoring game can be interesting, but I think that Group B um, is is going to be an arm wrestle for a few teams. I think Australia will get through. But
0: it's very easy to imagine mm. not getting through, which is terrifying on home turf. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awful. Um, yeah, It'd be a that, yeah. Oh gosh, that yeah. It's funny if you think about all the pressure that goes into this for these players. Like not just, I suppose you would hope they are just thinking, you know, athletically their own what they've got to do their their yeah. their job and all that sort of thing. But the the weight of pressure, I imagine, in the greater organization of Australian football and, and thinking about if we go out early, like what a disappointment that's going to be. Like if you make a run for the sport, holy moly in this country, it would be, it would be massive. Um, Yeah. And the
1: players are really aware of that too, but um, I think they're comfortable in the pressure. Like we are at Matilda's training today with the, with the media pack and they're all laughing and having fun. And I don't think they're, I think they accept the pressure and they're they're willing to live in it. And um. Mm. Enjoy. I said the same thing about going to the, to the Cats training before the AFL Grand Final last year. They were just joking around and playing. like They knew that there was pressure in the whole town, the whole state, the whole AFL community was watching to see can they get over the line this one final time. But they seem yeah. to just be enjoying that and just going, well, you know, this is fun. I think that's what Tom Hawkins said. He said, this is fun. Like, so some yeah. players just enjoy being in that spotlight. And I think that's where the Matildas are at at the moment. But it is important to remember that I don't think anyone's won the World Cup as host since 98 when France won it in the men's and 99 when the USA won it in the women's. So it's statistically unlikely to win the World Cup as hosts. But yeah. um, all the coaches, players, team managers I've ever spoken to say there's no reason for that. It's just hard to win a World Cup. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, But the pressure's yeah, exactly. there, but they don't it's, seem bothered by it. Well, that's good. I mean, you 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 might have to think about being in a different industry if you if you're not into like big pressure spots because uh, like all sport and then international sport and and that sort of thing. I guess it just draws it. Um, want to move into talking about? Let's talk about the favourites first. Who are your favourites? If the, if you say there's two teams that you think are most likely to get to the final, so you'd sort of mark those as your two teams most likely to win it, who, who would they be in your opinion?
1: I'm going against the grain of popular opinion. I think the USA is still able to get there. This will be their third in a row, and few of their players are past the mid-30s mark. But mm. um, they're still really quality players. They know how to win, and they they're just... They just know how to win tournaments, basically. The French and yeah. the Germans are very good chances. They're the, they're the popular uh, opinions. And England are the European champions. Um, got some injuries in defence. Most teams do, actually. So there'll be a lot of goals scored this one, I think. But they've got a lot of quality, a lot of depth. And depth is going to be really important for this World Cup. Like teams that can afford to rest players or can do without injured players for a game. Uh, or, you know, if someone yeah. comes off hurt, they can replace from someone good. I think depth is going to be the real key. And that's why I'm sort of back in the U.S. Because even though they have some players missing, especially in defense, they've got so many good attackers, so many good midfielders. They can they can switch players in and out of the side and just keep rolling, basically. So I think that's going to be a key. So I'm still back in the U.S. I know that they're not the favorites anymore, but hmm. I just don't I just don't want to play them. I think like if I look at all the teams yeah. that done, I don't want to show you to play, they're, they're top of the list for me.
0: Yeah, do, do you think it's like a matter of because I've heard a few people sort of say that that um you know the the US team you know maybe passed their best and all that sort of thing. But do you do you think it's a bit like the cats in that sense that people have fatigue you yeah. know on a team being so successful, they 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 want to move on? I think it's a bit of that. I think we're sort of used to them winning and we're looking for players for teams to take over
1: and there are teams capable of taking over like France and Brazil are kind of due as well for for a mm. World Cup win, and there's a bit of the, the the fairy tale story with Marta's farewell. This is going to be our last World Cup, and if she can get over the line, it'll be it'll be massive um, for the game, really. But yeah, I do feel like there's a bit of fatigue about the USA winning. People don't like them, but they're actually a really mm. likable team. Like everything they post on social media <laughs> is great fun. Their, so, their social um, stances on on issues is always like historically on the right side of things. Um, yeah. They're actually a really likeable bunch. Um, so people are just sick of them winning, basically. But yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's another factor with the US that I don't think anyone can compete with, and that's that to get into that team, you have to come through the college system like you do in, in the NBA. So you have to go yeah. high school, college. And the players going to college are usually playing for a scholarship. So even if they're not going to be professional mm. footballers, they're playing for their chance to have a better life. So mm. for a lot of them, it's knockout football from the age of about 15 through to 35 when they're in this World Cup. They're just used to that consequence, life or death. You have to win. You have to mm. perform from an early age. It's definitely not healthy. I wouldn't want it here, but they do know how yeah. the games of football because of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... All right, so we've, with that, that's the favourites. I think that makes yep. a lot of sense. I'm really you're giving us great insight here. The fact that there's all these injuries in, you know, to defenders and that that we might be expecting, you know, a nice high scoring sort of World Cup. I like I like to hear that. I like goals. I'm a simpleton when it comes to that. Just give me give me the goals like that. Um, what team do you think out there is like a true dark horse team and This isn't like the Cinderella team. Like I was thinking about the first World Cup I watched, 2002. I think South Korea, Turkey, maybe Senegal, all made sort of deep, deep runs. That's one of the best games I ever watched was the third place playoff um, between Turkey and South Korea. Um, It was an amazing game. I think Turkey won 3-2. Yeah. That was a great World Cup for, for upsets, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But who who's a dark horse team that you think could legitimately win it, but isn't on anyone's sort of radar? Is there one that you would throw forward as a candidate?
1: Maybe. See, so again, it's it's tough in women's football because there are there's a big mm. gap between the best and the worst. Um, the African teams are a lot more dangerous than people give them credit for, even though they're poorly funded and. Um, zambia have got some major off-field issues which we won't get into here um you can google it it's all it's in the news but um i'm not the right person to discuss it uh china are always 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 a threat um Mm. again depth organization they got a lot of individual talent and um i i don't know if they can go how deep they can go but their group is denmark haiti england they can get through that group and they can do some damage in the knockout stage. You don't want to play China if, if they're in form. They can they can, they can hurt you. Like they, they can go toe-to-toe with Australia when Australia was training and playing on full pitches and they were confined to running up and down in the corridors because of COVID restrictions. It took us all the way the last yeah. second to score a goal. They're, they're an elite football team. So they can get through that group, I think, because Denmark's not a very deep team, even though they have some top-end mm-hmm. quality. If they get through that group, Anything can happen in the knockout rounds. You need a bit of luck. You need, you know, ball to bounce the right way for you, and they will take their mm. chances when they get them. So if, I, if I'm looking at a dark horse, China, maybe Portugal, but I don't see them getting out of that group with Netherlands and USA there.
0: Um, yeah. Maybe Italy as well. It all, they've,
1: they've got some promise.
0: It all comes down so often, too, to like where you get drawn. Yeah. You know, if you happen to be the third best team, you, you know you might be the best or second best in another group. But if if you just so happen to have two powerhouses ahead of you, it makes it it makes it tough.
1: Yeah, and that's where Australia fell down in the last Women's Asian Cup because we finished top of our group, which meant we drew South Korea yeah. in the round of in the quarterfinals. If we'd finished yeah. second in our group, we would have drawn Thailand. We would have, yeah, beaten Thailand, and would have been fine. But we drew South Korea. And uh, I think it was Thailand. Don't quote me on that one. But we drew South Korea. And we yeah. call an easier team, and South Korea are not an easy team, and they beat us. And yeah, it's it's not fair sometimes, but it's the way the game works. And um, there's a, there's a lot of teams if they get through to the knockout rounds, a lot a lot rides on luck in knockout football, and everything has to go right for you to win a game. And if it doesn't, anything can happen. So yeah, China's my dark horse to do some damage. I don't know how deep they can go, but if they get a run on, you, you don't want to play them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. I love that. So we've got some favorites there. We've got a, a dark horse and you also mentioned a few others there, Italy um, amongst a couple of others as well. Indiv- oh, let's let's talk it's a couple of points to, to finish. We'll, we'll do Australia first and that is just how do you think we go? A lot of people tuning in, if yeah. anyone tunes in, I know. I don't know, maybe I'm just sitting here. <laughs> Totally alone. No one might be listening. It might just be you and I. Um, <laughs> Australia, how do they go? What do you think it shapes out like for, for us? <sighs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I've, been like,
1: I've been following one team the team closely. They're
0: one of the few um, Australian national like teams I still support. I don't really cheer for the cricket team anymore. Um, yeah. So So <laughs> my hopes are pinned with the Australian women's football team.
1: They can if look their best ever record is two thousand fifteen where they won the first knockout game, made it to the quarterfinals. In the Olympics yeah. recently in Tokyo, they made it to the semifinals. It's one less game to get there. But I mean it's still the mental thing of getting past the quarterfinal. So mm. that's their, that's their best record except for the two thousand ten Asian Cup in international, international outside of the Confederation. Their best record is one knockout win each time. So if this yeah. wasn't our home World Cup two knockout wins would be absolutely massive. It would be a better performance. We'd be on an upward trajectory. We'd saying, look out for the next World Cup. We're coming hard. But because it's our home World Cup, the expectation is high. So I I think semifinal is what most realists are hoping for. Um, the marketing's all saying is their best chance to win it. It's it's a good chance to win it. Um, but like I said before, it's hosts don't win the World Cup. So... It's just a good mm. chance to win. It. It's not the best chance we've ever had. It'll, it's just the best chance to put on a good performance in front of our own crowd and, and change the game. But actually, winning the World Cup is a whole other thing. So for Australia, I think two knockout wins. I think we'll do. Our, we'll get our best record. We'll make it to the semi-finals.
0: All right, I like that. I'd be happy with that. That'd be that'd be nice. Get yeah, the third third four.
1: place playoff is you know one for the fans in the end, and it means you've played every every round of the tournament. And it's, you've beaten the previous record. The players have in their heads that they, they can win it. And you love that. Statistically, it's just hard. But also, no team since 1999 has had the best player in the world as host, And we do have that. So we have that in common with the, the USA winners in ninety nine. We have the best player in the world, which gives you a leg up in any football tournament, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is a lovely transition to talk about a couple of individual player points. Um, just wanted your predictions here. I'm assuming that we get a golden boot top scorer award in the women's world cup. Like we do the men's. Mm -hmm. Who do you think that will be? Who scores the most goals? Is it Sam Kerr or is it someone else?
1: I'm going to, I'm going to go with the obvious choice. I think it is going to be Sam Kerr. Um, if she stays fully fit throughout the tournament, uh, touch wood, she will score goals basically. Um, yeah she's never failed to score goals for australia she's never failed to score goals for a club uh, club team either no matter what club and what country mm. it's in she she's just she thrives under the big occasion the big the big moment the, the high pressure game the bigger the crowd the better she plays yeah you know, mm. traditionally when australia's needed a goal she's got one when we've been thrashing teams she's got one she's just uh, she's the best i think she's the best player in the world there's there's players who can do things with the ball that she can't do like Marta and like alexia Pateas from spain they're generally considered to be generational talents. who can just magicians with the ball. Sam's on a magician. She just is ruthlessly efficient and just mm. a killer. She's just a predator in the box. It's um, mm. just a will of steel too. She's just an amazing footballer. So space jam rules, I always say, like if we were to pick a player to be our Michael Jordan, to win a game, to save the earth against aliens, I'm not picking yeah. any of the players who have got all the technical abilities who went to the schools and the, the academies. I'm picking Sam Kerr because she's going to do something ridiculous and score a goal when we've been playing like shit, and that's what she does.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. Space Jam rules. That's good. Yeah. She's our Michael Jordan,
1: really. I mean, that's like a really cringy thing to do the last dance thing, but multiple sports agents have said basically in terms of her impact off the field and on the field and her ability to just turn up Cons- consistently mm. when the game's on the line and she always wants the ball. She wants the match-winning shot, basically. She wants that that Michael Jordan moment and the Sam Kerr moments in women's football. That's what she does. All the goals for Chelsea that win trophies, she's scored all of them. So I don't mm. see any reason that's going to stop.
0: I love that. Love that. Wish I'd had that when I played. I still remember <laughs> stepping up in on a cold morning in Myrtleford, volunteering to take a penalty. Absolutely scuffed it straight at the goalkeeper. (laughs) I wanted the ground to swallow me. It was awful. Um, in Aussie
1: rules, I I took a dive in the goal square because I hadn't kicked a goal for a few weeks and I missed. (laughs) (laughs) I got the free kick and I shanked it. I I got got stuck into by everybody. This is under the 13s. Everyone was getting stuck because it was an obvious flop. Like, I got like a slight touch in the back and just went forward. So I'm like, I need to, I need a goal. I need to get, some, I need to get myself into the game. Flopped, missed the free kick, um, side of the boot, and yeah, shameful, absolutely shameful.
0: I love it though. The, the in front Ford of Gary was there. <laughs>
1: in front of Gary Ablett Senior, missed, missed from the goal square. There goes my moment of glory.
0: Uh, far out. Yeah, no, I know, I know those feelings all too well. Um, let's let's finish on then with we've had the golden boot player of the tournament who is it overall impact the, the the player who we you know gets that award at the end of the at the end of the two weeks um, who is it most valuable player in the oh, world Cup.
1: that is a hard question because that depends on who wins really um, if the US've got win, a
0: group of say two to three candidates maybe
1: yeah I'm gonna go for the obvious ones um,
0: yeah
1: I think that um, there's a player for Norway called Caroline Graham Hansen. Plays for Barcelona. If Norway go deep in this tournament and they will get to their group easily. That's New Zealand, Philippines, and Switzerland. And I really hope New Zealand do well, but I think Norway are getting through that group. Yeah, yeah. Caroline Graham Hansen is just one of the, just basically she's one of the world's best players. She's a winger, but she scores goals. She's got sticky feet. She yeah. um, light and quick, but the ball just doesn't really move very far away from her. She changes direction really well. She sort of strikes the ball so cleanly. Like it just it looks like a video game when she plays. She's very, very good. And she'll get momentum in that group, probably score a couple of goals or get at least get a couple of assists. Because they also have Arda Head who's who was the first women's player to win the golden ball, the Ballon d'Or. So she'll get goals or assists in that group. And if she gets going, if Norway get going, then um they can they can do some damage and she will be a big part of that. Uh, mm. Another another potential one is Caitlin Ford for Australia. I think Sam will score the most goals, but our key is Caitlin Ford. She's the other striker. She's been sort of moving from the wing to be playing in an old-fashioned 4-4-2, so the two strikers close together. But she drops behind yeah. her a bit. She's, she's Australia's main playmaker and a goal threat as well. And if we do well in this tournament, she'll have to play really well. So if we make it where I think they will, Caitlin Ford will be huge and she'll... Wouldn't be a first FIFA award. She won um Best Young Player, I think, in 2015 um, yeah, for, for the World Cup. So she's got pedigree at this level. She's a good player. She scored the last World Cup too. And she's in the peak of her powers, really. She's dominating for Arsenal. And no matter who they sign, she just keeps replacing him from the team and playing well. So she's all class. And then Spain of Putea, so I mentioned before, who is generally considered the best player in the world. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to say with her because we don't get to see a lot of the Spanish league here. But when I watch her in the Champions League before she did her knee, yeah, she is one of the best players in the world. And then there's Lauren James for England I forgot to mention as well. Um, bit of a bolter. Probably not mm-hmm. the finished article yet. But when she's in form, she's um, close to unstoppable. Just an unstoppable dribbler. Good shooter. Doesn't, doesn't really always know when to pass yet. She's still a very young raw player. But World Cups can can bring out those sort of players and, and deliver them to the masses, really.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. There always seems to be uh, a few that ha- that happens with every World Cup. Someone bursts onto the scene, you know, fully mm. fully formed. It's, um, yeah, it's always nice to watch if they play for your team and it's always awful when it happens to your team. Yeah. <laughs> I I go back to sixteen-year-old Wayne Rooney scoring against Arsenal on debut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> still remember deep deep wounds. Um, thank you so much, Kieran. I massively appreciate you coming on, giving me a, a crash course preview in the twenty twenty three Women's World Cup. I'm bloody pumped to to tune in, um, and sit on the couch and watch watch some football or soccer yep. uh, and bruce is making yeah, it, come back for it as
1: well bruce mcobain coming out of retirement to, to host this for channel seven so you know it's big when bruce bruce gets off the couch or whatever it was he was doing i kind of i, I don't know what he was been doing in his spare time I'm watching sport i presume so bruce is back <laughs> yeah. um optus have all the games seven has 15 games all the matilda's ones i think so it's gonna be prime time as well this is the other thing about a world cup in australia is i've been sort of cheering myself up to like get up at weird hours and i'm going wait it's eight o'clock at night so this is prime time yeah this is going to be on every night for a month and a bit and it's going to be yeah it's going to be insane we've never had a world cup in our prime time before either that's the other thing that's going to make this massive
0: yeah it's like it's our turn now rest of the world we're just setting our (laughs) alarm clocks (laughs) (laughs) you set yours
1: (laughs) they're looking for tips and australians just they're on Twitter going, how do I plan around sleep and working? And strangers, like, replying, no tips, just suck it up. We've been doing it. It's just unhelpful. Yeah, yeah.
0: Try watching any other international sport. Yeah. Um <laughs> Awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, anyone within the sound of my voice should go on over to Twitter and all the social medias and follow Kieran and his excellent content. Can't thank you enough for coming on, mate. Massively appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it was a real pleasure. I'm you know, i a big fan of what you guys do at the Chaps as well. So um, I am a signature to the Patreon, and I can recommend that to everybody. You want that extra content.
0: Oh, you're an absolute champion, mate. <laughs> thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Until next time, don't go cats because that's on the other podcast. Until next time, tune in and watch the Women's World Cup. Just do yeah. it. Next, next Friday with football. Oh, can't wait. Yeah. Cannot next wait. Thursday, sorry. Yeah. Uh, until next time, guys, thanks for listening.